Welcome to an Impact Ministries production brought to you by Impact Ministries World Changers, changing the way the world sees God. Learn how you can become a world changer today by visiting www.impactministries.com. Now, here's your host, founder of Impact Ministries and developer of Heart Physics, the self-development programs that have changed thousands of lives around the world, Dr. Jim Richards. Hey, I'm Jim Richards. I want to welcome you to message number four in this series on resurrection realities. And I want you to understand something. Today, we're going to be talking about the transformation of Christ, but we'll, we'll get into that in just a second. But, but I just kept want to remind you of something. As I look back over the years of coming, you know, my faith walk, and man, I was serious. I mean, when I came into this, I was serious. I was sick of who I was. I knew that who I was needed to die. And, uh, and you know, I was suicidal for a while because I just thought, you know, thought I'm, I'm so wicked. I'm so messed up. I'm so perverted. Everything about me is so corrupt. I just need to die. And actually, I used to go out, I'd, get, I'd take every kind of drug I could take, and I'd go out, and, and there was a four-lane in front of my house, and I would stand on the curb in front of that four-lane, four I was sitting there, and I think when the next car comes by, I'm stepping in front of I'm ending this. I cannot go on in this, in this life. Well, so many times, God would speak to my heart. And the main thing that he said to me one day as I was standing there, one of the days I was the most desperate, I was ready to step out in front of a car. Uh, was this will not be the end. You know, you will enter into eternity uh, and you'll enter into eternity not knowing me. And I understood what that meant. So, so I, I wanted who I was to die. So I wasn't, I wasn't playing around, you know. So when I came to Jesus, I didn't hold anything back as far as I knew. Now, we all hold things back that we don't realize. I mean, let me just say that. But my prayer and my intention was, I will give you all of my life, and I'll do whatever you want me to do if you will have me. Now, th that became a journey of discovering what that commitment made or meant, because there would be times I would come to realize there were aspects of my life that I was subconsciously holding on to, but I was never consciously holding on to anything. And so, you know, I would always walk through what would be some form of transformation of, of dying to self and letting go and stepping into a new aspect of my life in certain areas. Now, I was so hungry to know God, and, and I'm telling you all this for a reason. I'm not trying to make me look good. I'm, I'm telling you this, you know, for a very, very important reason. So I was so hungry to know God, and part of my commitment when I gave my life to Jesus was, I will never believe anything anybody says about you if I do not find it in the Bible for myself. And then when I started reading the Bible, it's like, okay, you've got to be my teacher. I, I can't even understand most of these words here. And, and, uh, and then plus, I was, you know, I'd been strung out on drugs for so long. I'd go to sleep when I was reading. I couldn't focus. I couldn't remember what I read. It didn't matter. I was going to read it. And, uh, and I, so I asked God to, to become my teacher. Now, for the first eight years or so that I was a believer, um, I read the New Testament through every 30 days, plus whatever I did in my devotional life. I would get up about four o'clock in the morning. I would read, I'd pray, I'd meditate, and I'd think on these things. But every, then I would go to work, and on my breaks at work, every, you know, you know, if I would read, I think it was like eight chapters one day, nine chapters another day, I could go through the New Testament every 30 days. And so what I did is I would go through it every, every 30 days in a different translation. So 
Now, I wasn't, tr- I wasn't trying to earn something from God. I wasn't paying my religious dues. I wanted to know God. I wanted to know life. Now, um, so starting out that series, you know, I saw a lot of miracles. I saw, I saw incredible things happen. You know, I came off drugs and, and never had withdrawals. And, uh, you know, I was having seizures at the time from having, doing, having so many drug overdoses. Those seizures stopped. And only one time did, did this try to manifest again in my life. And I just stopped. I just said, no, you, you know, this is not happening. I wasn't talking to the devil. I was just talking to these seizures. It's like, no, this is, this is not happening. And so, so, you know, people, sometimes they would ask me, they say, well, wh- why do you read the Bible so much? What's, I mean, what's the deal here? You know, so I, matter of fact, people, some people thought I was, I was going overboard, you know, you know, too much. But here's the thing that I always discovered. If I open my heart up to uh, Jesus as, uh, to be my Lord, my Savior, the Holy Spirit to be my teacher, what I discovered, and by the way, I always read the Bible from the perspective every single day. Uh, of, okay, God, based on whatever I see today, based on whatever I'm reading today, how do I apply this to my life? What does this mean to me? I was never reading for information. I was, like I said, I was never reading to earn anything from God. I wanted to learn how to live. I wanted to learn what life was about. And I can promise you this. And I'm telling you, you know, I have been, I have been a believer now for like 49 years. And, uh, you know, soon, you know, not too long. It'll be 50 years, obviously. And uh, 50 years of reading the word of God, approaching it from that attitude, there has never been a single time that I read the Bible without God speaking to me and showing me something that I could apply at that moment and that day. Now, here's the amazing thing about that. That always brought about a degree of transformation. In other words, you know, when you're connecting with God personally and he's speaking to your heart personally, uh, you, you don't just get a download of information. You experience a transformation so that now something changes in your life. It makes you able to understand what just occurred. It makes you understand why you experienced a miracle. It made you understand things that you couldn't even explain to other people. I could not, and to this day, cannot explain some of the things that happened just through reading the Bible and praying and being open to God. And I am not saying, I'm not trying to make myself anything. I am just telling you that a ignorant, immoral, godless redneck from Southern Tennessee uh, who, who had been on drugs so long, I could barely think, I could barely read. I, could, I couldn't intellectually process information I'd done so many drugs and stay drunk for so long. And, uh, and, and so, but all, all it takes is, is a sincere heart and a willingness to let God be your teacher. And I am telling you every day that you open the Bible, it's like having a party in your heart. Now, because of the fact that I never, I never assumed it. And one of the reasons, by the way, I always read a different translation every month was because I never wanted to reread the same translation back to back or over and over to such a degree that it kind of became common to me. I started assuming that I knew what it meant, uh, you know, whatever verses I was reading. I always wanted it to feel kind of fresh and open up, open up 
kind of this, this opportunity to say, okay, God, show me what this means. I, you know, I'm seeing this in this translation, which is different from what I read last month. Show me what it, what it means. And I'm telling you what he did. But when God shows you what something means, he is not showing you what it means just to get your theology correct. God, I mean, God, theology is important. And theology are beliefs. Let me say this. Beliefs about God become the basis by which everything in our life works. Uh, but when God speaks to you, he's really not trying to get you to understand something theologically. He wants you to experience a new, greater dimension and power of, of resurrection life. Now, over time, and, and of course, you know, I'm like everybody, I, you know, I would, there would be times when I'd kind of get off the rails on stuff. I never got into any bad extremes, but, you know, I would get influenced by some preacher that impressed me or something. And, and, uh, and so then I get down the road and be like, oh, oh, wait a minute, you know, some of this is good, but this is not what God's saying to me for my life. And so I need to get, I need to get back on track. And so, yeah, you know, I'm just like everybody. I, you know, I walk through these things. The one difference was, I checked it out in the Word. I don't care what preacher said it. I don't care if my favorite preacher. I would eventually get into the Word, dig it out, and say, is this really what the Bible is saying? But even more importantly, is this what God is saying to me? Because if it's not what God's saying to me. It may be true, and it may be in the Bible, but, but it really doesn't matter. Now, uh, over time, I was influenced by, you know, the charismatic Word of Faith movies. And I'm not against those. You know, I, I talk about those movies only because of Historically, most of the people that I talk to um, have been influenced by those moves and really were very frustrated by those moves because there were so many wonderful things taught that people did not ever get to work in their life. So when you believe something and you can't get it to work in your life, it doesn't become an encouragement. It doesn't give you wings. It's weights that will sink you and you'll drown in an ocean of information where you, where the Bible talks about getting fat with knowledge, but it really doesn't do you any good because it's not what you're able to build your life on. And so over time, you know, back in the seventies and the eighties and the nineties, you know, I was taught an aspect of faith, which I'm, I'm really thankful for in some ways because it, it really did open my eyes to some things that I had not seen or did not believe, didn't understand when I didn't believe in them. So, but, I'm not sure I even know how to explain this, but I think you can get this. Over those decades, those first maybe maybe three decades or two decades of being a believer, it was almost like faith was something that was about getting things from God. And it was almost like walking in faith was was I'm, I'm trying to think of how to say this. It's almost like walking in faith was uh, being involved in something that had nothing to do with what happened on the cross. Now, I, I think I told you the story a couple of weeks ago where when I got healed, I had a congenital kidney disease. This was the real deal. I was born with it. I would have been the first person in America to have a kidney transplant, except for the fact that we were too poor. My very earliest memory as a child, my first memory as a child was laying in a hospital bed, sick and being in the hospital for extended periods of time. So I came, you know, I came out of my mother's womb, passing blood in my urine. 
And so this, you know, this went on my whole life. And I'm not going to go through the whole detail, but, you know, when I was 28 years old, I was really from all expectations and from everything that was told to me by most of the medical people around me, there was a high probability I would not live for very long because my kidneys, my ureters uh, were in such bad shape and I was so overrun with infection and all of those kinds of things. Well, so as I mentioned, when I told you the story, you know, I finally figured out, and by the way, this is where I developed the prayer organizer. I think one of the most powerful transformational tools I have ever developed. And so I didn't develop this for anybody else. I developed it for me. I was learning how to pray the way Jesus taught us to pray, not the way I wanted to pray, not the way churches taught me to pray, not the way you know, my pastors had taught me to pray, the way Jesus taught me to pray. Almost all of us pray about the things and make a priority out of the things that Jesus said. Don't pray about these things. Don't waste your time on these things. And then he would proceed to tell us how to pray. And we don't need, and then we take the way he tells us how to pray and we just turn it into some religious repetition that absolutely means nothing. So I'm not going to go any farther than that. You want to get information about that? You can, you can get my, my book and you can get my uh, uh, videos for free online uh, on earth as in heaven. And I'm telling you, it will transform your prayer life. But anyhow, so when I got, when I walked this out and I actually experienced physical healing, I mean, I mean, it was phenomenal. My wife was giving me shots sometimes every four hours, sometimes every eight hours, without which I would die very, very quickly. It would not, and it would not be a pleasant death. And so, so in 1983, I walked out of that disease. And uh, but then the problem was. Number one, I was I was poor. I was so deeply in debt that it was just it was just ridiculous. And then by being sick for four and a half years, uh, there were other all kinds of other problems that had gotten created in my life. Uh, sometimes during that period of time, I didn't make the best decision because you know when you're just barely hanging on to life by the skin of your teeth. You're not always thinking clear. You're not always making great decisions. And so, so, you know, I had problems that I had created. I had business problems I had created. I was incredibly deep in debt. And so I'm thinking, man, I almost wish I had died just because now I got to figure out how to, how to deal with this debt problem. So, you know, Brenda and I set out. I mean, we set out together and we would talk about this at night. I'd pray about it in the daytime. And, and, uh, and so, the most phenomenal thing that I came to realize, I'm telling you, it changed everything about the way I pray. It changed everything about how I operated faith. It was simply this. At the very same time that Jesus hung on the cross, became my sin, at that very same time that he was raised from the dead, giving me the power over sin, he also gave me the power over all of the dimensions or all over all of the aspects of sin. So I realized at the same at the same time that I I got saved. I also was set free, not just from the power of sin, but I was set free from the power of poverty. I was set free from lack. I was set free from depression. I was set free from all of these things. And so I realized that we don't we don't have to look a hundred other places when we're seeking to get healed, as opposed to when we're trying to get born again. Uh, we look to the same place because because our faith 
should be absolutely focused on the resurrection of the dead. And we've already talked about this. You know, Paul says uh, that if you believe in your heart that God raised Jesus from the dead and confess it with your mouth, you shall be saved, healed, delivered, blessed, prosper, protected, made whole, and set apart. In other words, every aspect of the new covenant becomes ours based on what we believe about the resurrection from the dead. Now, one of the today we're talking about the transformation of Christ, and this is so incredibly important because in, in the book of, uh, let's see here, in the book of Romans, it says this, Romans 8, 28 through 30. And by the way, I talk about this in great extent in my series called uh, Always Above, Never Beneath. And uh, this is such a crucial scripture. Romans 8, 28 says, and we know that all things work together for those uh, who love God to those who are called according to his purpose. Now, people take that scripture and because they don't understand what it's really saying, they lift it out of context and they start saying, well, everything that happens, God is doing uh, and there's going to be a good purpose. So if my kid dies, God did allow that or did that for some good reason. If I go broke, God did that, allowed that for some reason. And so that is nonsense. That is absolute nonsense. That is not what that scripture says. There is no place in any of the names of God. There's no place in the life, death, and ministry. I mean, the life, teaching, and ministry of the Lord Jesus Christ. There's no place in the new covenant that I can take that and say, okay, this makes sense in light of who Jesus is. It doesn't make sense. And I can't go into it. By the way, you can get the videos from that series for free on our website, uh, impactministries.com or drjimrichards.com. But he qualifies this and helps us to understand, number one, about, about the love of God. Now, I'm, I am not going to go into that because I don't have time, but he also talks about being called according to his purpose. And then he goes into his purpose. And in my series, uh, Always Above, Never Beneath, you know, I go into this thing about the fact that the Garden of Eden, we did not lose authority. We lost our identity. And so he explains God's purpose in here. And this was a purpose to which all uh, people who would become believers would be predestined. It wasn't a predestination about who would get saved. It was the predestination about the purpose and the journey of getting saved. So, so it says here that in verse 29, it says, for whom he foreknew, he also predestined. In other words, this doesn't say that he predestined certain people. He foreknew, obviously, those who would come to him. And so he predestined that all of those who came to him, that they had a predestined, if you will, destiny. And I know that's bad English. But uh, uh, you know, predestination, like I say, is not about deciding who things happen to. It's deciding how things happen to, to people. So before there was ever planet Earth, before there was ever a human race, before there was ever sin, before there was ever the garden, before there was everything, God predestined a couple of things, several things, actually. But he predestined that the only way mankind would ever come to know him would be through the Lord Jesus Christ. Go read the first few, the first few uh, verses of the book of Ephesians, and you will discover that, that this is what God determined it. Nobody, even if sin had never come in the world, we still would not know God apart from the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, I don't have time to go into that right now and why that, why that is so and why it has to be so, why it's actually the only way that it can happen. But he also predestined that, uh, that 
we need to be conformed to the image of his son. In other words, to the image of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, uh, this word conformed is a really, really interesting word because it basically means to uh, be jointly transformed. So by being transformed with Jesus, then what, what happens is I recover my sense of identity. I recover what Adam lost. You know, the devil has never had authority over man. Angels have, has never had authority over man. God gave authority over planet Earth to the human race. And the real truth is we surrendered that authority and we surrendered that identity of being created likeness in the image of God to Darwin. And Darwin's ridiculous false science of evolution, and it is a false science. There is not one scientific proof of anything that Darwin taught about evolution. And now we have been sold that it is factual, it, is, it has replaced the word of God for most people. But the real truth is there's not a word of it that is actually scientific. But, uh, but it is through having a loving relationship with God, trusting him, and being jointly transformed into the image of Jesus, that is where we enter into that realm where everything starts working to our good. Not because things go bad and not because of all the nonsense you know, that, that we've heard, but because when we recover our sense of identity, when we recover who we really are in Jesus, then we have the confidence to operate authority the way that God created us to operate authority. But this begs the question of, of okay, well, well, wait a minute. If we are supposed to enter into a joint transformation with Jesus, when was Jesus ever transformed? When did he ever have to go through a transformation? Well, now, I'm going to answer that question. I'm not going to fully answer it this week because it's too complicated to answer this week. Now, it's complicated, but it just gets down to simple faith once you, once you understand it, once you hear the truth of what God's word says about it. Now, uh, we are in this very, very interesting place where we have the opportunity to be reconciled to God. We became sinners, but the word reconciled basically means to exchange. So, so you're going to find that there are many uh, verbs in the word of God. There, there, are, going, there are going to be many uh, words that kind of overlap. They don't mean exactly the same thing, but they all point to an exchange where we uh, exchange who we are. We exchange our sinful, uh, non-effective, destructive, godless life. We exchange that for a, a new life. And all of that exchange, actually, that doesn't happen outside of a context. See, see, again, like I said before about faith, you know, you know, so much of what we have been taught about faith is not so much that it is wrong, but it is wrong if you take it out of context of what happened through the death, burial, and resurrection of the Lord Jesus. Well, it's the same way with reconciliation. You take reconciliation out of the context of what happened through the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus, and you might get it, you know, uh, 45% right, but you won't get it right enough to where it actually produces in your life what you're looking for. 2 Corinthians 5.20 says this, Paul says, 
we are ambassadors for Christ as though God were pleading through us. And we implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. In other words, enter into this exchange with God. Because, see, religion has brought us to this place to where we have incorporated secular uh, counseling, uh, secular therapy, secular ministry. And I'm not saying any of those things are wrong within themselves, but they are very, very wrong when we replace what God calls uh, the, the reconciliation, or we replace going into this exchange with God, really where we die to everything outside of Christ that we have been that, or that we ever will be. You know, many people think that salvation only takes care of what you did before you got saved. No, salvation takes care of everything outside of Christ. Anything that you believe about yourself that is outside of Christ, uh, no, you can leave that behind. You can leave that in a grave. And you can be raised up in a resurrection. But, but the key thing is you have to die with Christ. You have to be buried with Christ. And you have to be raised up with Christ in order to experience this resurrection. And so this is where we enter into not, not only the reconciliation or the exchange, but this is also where we went, enter into the transformation that Christ went through. Now, when I tell you about the transformation that Christ went through, if you've got a lot, much religion in you, it's going to make you mad. It's going to challenge you. It's going to, it's going to wrinkle every fabric in your, in your being, but your, it's only, your fabric's only get, going to get wrinkled if you don't know what the Word of God says about it. And it's amazing how many Christians do not know what really happened at the cross, in the grave, in the resurrection, and in the receiving of the inheritance based on the new covenant. Very few believers actually know very much about that. Uh, you know, I have an incredible series called Three Days to Change the World, and it's all about what happened from the cross to the throne. Not what Jesus did in his life, not what Jesus did in his ministry, what did Jesus do? What occurred when he died? What occurred when he went into the grave? What occurred? What happened so that he could come out of the grave? What happened so that he could uh, be seated at the right hand of God, establish the covenant, and receive the inheritance? How did that happen? And all that happened on the cross, in the grave, in the resurrection, at the right hand of God. And the problem is, uh, it amazes me how few people even have a clue of what happened in those three days that, that actually changed the world. So back to 2 Corinthians 5. So as an ambassador of Christ, he says our, our ministry here is to implore you to, to enter into this exchange, enter into this recon, reconciliation where you leave everything behind you that is corrupt, everything behind you that hurts your faith, everything behind you that causes you to surrender to sin and be raised up not through therapy, not through more counseling, but actually leave that person behind in the grave so that as you're raised up, you, you don't even have a desire for those things that you used to have. I got news for you. When you have a desire for those things you used to do, for those things you used to have, when that desire is still alive inside you, you have not entered into the reconciliation or the exchange. I'm not saying you're not saved. I'm not saying Jesus is not your Savior. I'm saying you haven't entered into this. And this is what Paul is saying. He, said, he says, and this reconciliation is based on what he says, verse 21. It says, for God made him who knew no sin to be sin for us, that we might become the righteousness of God in him. So 
Next week, we're going to go into this exchange in more detail than, than you can really imagine. And I'm going to tell you what, you're, you're going to have the truth and the information that you have to be able to decode the life of God that we have through the Lord Jesus. Be sure and share this with your friends. And I'm going to tell you what, you're, you're going to have the truth and the information that you have to be able to decode the life of God that we have through the Lord Jesus. Be sure and share this with your friends. Be sure and check out our website. And you know what? Uh, consider becoming a world changer with us. Help us raise up a billion disciples around the world for Jesus. And I'll talk to you next week. Thanks for listening to the weekly Impact Ministries World Changers podcast with Dr. Jim Richards. If you like what you've just heard, we encourage you to share our web address, www.impactministries.com with friends and colleagues. Be sure to check out the resources section of our website for previous podcasts and our videos. Join us next week for another great message by Dr. Jim Richards.